Let's just do a little practice. Chapter 1. Chapter 1. He, Jesus is. 2. Don't drift away. Excellent. 3. Moses. 4. God's rest. 5. Better high priest. Six. Hope is an anchor. Seven. Oops, I gave it to you. Better priest. Better priesthood. Eight. Better covenant. Nine. Sanctuary. Better tabernacle. Better sanctuary. Excellent. Ten. Once for all. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, better sacrifice. Chapter 11. Chapter of faith. All of fame of faith. Today's chapter 12. From with endurance. Don't give up. Never give up. And we're so close. Chapter 13. Who's looked ahead? Jesus asked for what? Better service. Better service. Okay. So here's, a, here's an easy way to remember it. In the... This list obviously is not inspired. This is kind of what Mitch and I picked to do this. But there are eight betters in this list, right? Better angels, Moses, high priest, priesthood, covenant, tabernacle, sacrifice, and service. There are eight betters. There you go. Just eight words to remember those chapters. And there, there are five, I might call imperatives, you know, admonitions, things to, to say. Don't drift away. Enter God's rest. Hope is an anchor. Faith makes it, makes it to God and never give up. Right? So think... Think about those as you do this, because those really, in some ways, are real high-level lessons of the, of the book of Hebrews. So, given we're, uh, we've already had the first bell, and probably not the first bell, but the, the starting bell, we're already behind. What do we learn? We've covered it up here. What do we learn about all these faithful that are named explicitly in the book of Hebrews? What do we learn about them? They're just like us. Just, just like us, they have flaws. They started at different places. They had some of them had struggles. Some of them had struggles throughout their entire life. Even struggles with sin, right? And yet, what did we learn about them? Despite all of those things, they persevered. They persevered, and they persevered when they when they showed what? Faith. When they showed faith. When they actually showed that they believed God and they trusted God. And that led them to have endurance. And we, we, we were finishing up last time with that, remember that nameless list of people that was there and we talked about them? There was a group of people that were, weren't named. They were described. And they were people who trusted God and they overcame and actually saw rewards. They overcame armies. They, they, they did all sorts of things that showed them great reward in, uh, in, this, in, in this world. And then there was a group of people who trusted God and what happened? They got killed. They died. <laughs> but they trusted God all the way up to their death. They showed that faith even when God did not rescue them from an earthly trial. They still trusted God in doing that. And so I actually just went through, I started trying to go, well, who are some of these people? We talked about some of these names. Names that weren't on this list. But they were amongst those unnamed people. Think about Esther. And she trusted God. About Elisha. We never talked about Elijah. About Elisha. And, and think about the widow of Zarephath that Elisha actually served. And the Shunammite woman that, that were there. Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. Azariah, Mishael, Hananiah, who are commonly known as 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Young men, early in their faith, who stood up, thought they were going to die. Didn't change a thing. They ended up not dying for that, but look back. When you go through your Old Testament and you read these different names that are there, are they there for a reason? Let's just jump right off of Sean's lesson this morning. The Hebrew writer brought these out. He said, there's a whole bunch of people I didn't name. We can go through and start writing them names. We could have written down a whole lot more names. When God names somebody, we have to look at them. What do we learn from that person? How can we bring that forward into our life? And then who amongst the unnamed is also there? Were only the people named in the Old Testament the only ones we can, who were saved? No. There were countless that weren't named that served God. Think about our lesson that we had uh, here with Jordan. You had Elijah on the mountain, right? After he went from the mountain, he said, Woe is me, Lord. I'm the only one serving you. And what did, you, what did God say? There were about 7,000 that aren't serving you, but the Baals either. You're not alone. And then he said, get up and get to work. You know, there, there was Elijah, his weakness. He got, he got into the woe is me thing. I get to that and just, just get up and get to work. There's a whole bunch. No, 7,000 are named, except as a group, 7,000. So, the world was not worthy of those people. The world's not worthy of people who strive to show faith in God and who trust Him. Because the world is not Driving to show faith in God and trust Him. That's what makes them unworthy. It also makes them candidates to learn how to become worthy. They don't become worthy on their own. They become worthy by having that faith in God. And so, we end that chapter, that great hall of fame of faith. And, and this is supposed to be like going to the National Football Hall of Fame, right? Or the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Remembering all these great things in the past and these great players, right? Is there a point to all of this? Other than the lessons we've talked about here, the endurance that's there, that they show? Well, there is, and guess what? Chapter 12 starts with one of those words, right? What's the big word that chapter 12 starts? Therefore. Therefore. So remembering all your lessons we've learned from all of this, therefore what? This image here, isn't it? That's just an image we draw. That's the closest I can get to something that I put on the screen to remind us. Seeing we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay. The Hebrew writer is writing to a group of people who understood sports. They understood stadiums. That's exactly the word to use when he says we're surrounded by so great the cloud of witness, and he talks about running a race. They knew exactly what that meant. Are we familiar with sports and stadiums? And what goes on there? Okay. So talk to me about this image that the writer picks. Who are these witnesses? The ones named in chapter 11. <laughs> How's that? How is that? They are in heaven with God. They certainly, we, we, we have that. I'm not even going to, are they really there looking at us and watching exactly what we're doing in our lives or not? I don't know. This verse doesn't say yes and it doesn't say no. I, I, it doesn't. It could, be, it could be offered in the sense of, 
um, if we said something today, you know, our founding fathers are looking down on us in the election to see whether or not the system they put in place is true about. Are they really? I don't know. It could be offered as a figure of speech. It could be. Is that the point of this? Is this the point about what, what our status will be when we go on through that door like our sister Evelyn did? Is that the point of this verse? What's the point of this verse? What's the central point of this verse? Their lives were witnesses for us to follow. Right. So that we can do what? So we can win the race with endurance. <laughs> what, did they, what did these cloud of witnesses who are here do? They finished the race by showing endurance through troubles. I think all these things we wrote down about all the people that we can analyze here. They finished the race by showing an endurance through, through troubles. Wow. What does he say about this race? I only put part of this verse up here. So, so tell me about the race. <coughs> what's, what's some words in, these, in, this, in this passage, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that strike you? Endurance. Come with endurance. Endurance. Do, do we know what that looks like in a physical race or a physical sports mm -hmm. game that we would watch? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. How many games have to go all the way to the end until we actually know what's decided, right? How many obstacles show up at the last minute? How many obstacles show up early in it? <clears throat> what happens to the ones who quit in the race early? I mean, this, this young lady won a, won a marathon. Um, what happens if she quit early? She's not going to be standing here, right? She's not going to be standing here. Okay, so endurance is one of those things there. What, what else about this? Persistence. Okay, persistence is part of endurance. It's just yes. that, that you really just have to keep, I mean, I'll just tell you, I couldn't run a marathon. This is a marathon race. I couldn't run a marathon. Uh, I'd like to walk one. <laughs> I don't know if I could walk one in a day. <laughs> but if I train to do it, what do you think? Might. Might. I know lots of people who at my age have started, and at my age and my weight, have started training to do that and have figured out how to finish it. They might not be the first to cross the line, but they figured out how to finish it. So you have to lay aside every weight. Okay. We're, absolutely. We're going to talk some more about that every minute. But there are things that can keep us from getting through to the end of this race, right? There's, there's weights. There's sin. There's things that can weight us down. If we're carrying about a bunch of stuff that we don't need, might not finish this race. What about the races in this verse that's on the screen? I don't like this game. I'm gonna play another game. Which race do we have to finish? The one where we picked it set before us. One that's set before us. We're in it, right? Whether we picked it or not, but get your point, Tony. The race that is set before us. You ever walked a road that you didn't really want to be on for the Lord? Wish I could get off this road? So God, has God put things in front of your life and my life that are difficult to deal with? God, just give me another road. I don't like this road. No, we're going to talk about this. We end up on roads sometime that require endurance, and there's a reason they require endurance, but that's what we have to, we have to think about here. How do these witnesses 
give feedback to the runner who's running the race. In the stadium, we know how that happens, right? They cheer. You hear the cheers, that spurs up. I've seen that happen. Teams or runners or people get new energy because of just the cheering in the stadium. <coughs> Through the scriptures. Do all these witnesses speak to us? Mm -hmm. They do. If we do what? Lesson from this morning. Open the scriptures. Listen, understand, know that, hey, I identify with this person or this person, or wow, look what they overcame. I can, I can do that as well. It's, it truly is, if, we, if we're going to hear the cheers that are encouraging us, what do we have to do? Open our Bibles. What were the Hebrews admonished for not doing enough of in chapter 5? <clears throat> By time, this time you should have been teachers. teachers. You need to be taught. What, what does that mean? Were they, just, were they just not mentally capable? They didn't study enough. Getting in, they weren't really getting in there enough in looking at that. You now, know, uh, Craig, I have a real good example of that. Sometimes I bring people with me from where I live. I live in an independent living facility, and uh, they don't understand the thing that's being said, neither in class nor in the services. They just don't understand it. But I say, well, come over to my apartment and let's have a Bible study. Well. If they don't want to, who are they not liking this morning? They're not like the Bereans, right? Yeah. And if we're not doing that, who are we like? Yeah, well, they were not like the Bereans, right? We, but it's so frustrating. <laughs> and I know it was for the Hebrew writer. Just totally frustrated. Look, we can do this. If you just come over and listen and we'll research, but no. First uh -uh. Corinthians, the ninth chapter, gives us a, a whole a different description of this same image. Beginning verse 24. Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way to obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Yes, we can help each other run this race. What Paul's saying there. i got to run with endurance, and I've got to bring my body under discipline in order to make sure it happens here. So let's talk about the rest of the things that are there in, in this uh, scripture. I thought this was supposed to come up one at a time. I must have messed up how I put this together. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll, we'll go outside here. We've talked about the witnesses. Lay aside the weights. Go ahead. Just real quick, what passage is chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians? Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24. 1 Corinthians 9? Yeah, thanks. 24 27. Yeah, thanks. I might have mis misspoken that. He says, lay aside the weights. What are those? The world and okay. sin. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus this here because he, he says next, lay aside sin. So what are the weights that aren't sin? Worries. Worries? Junk? Guilt. No. Guilt? Uh, jealousy. Those are kind of sin. Jealousy is. Good Good things. We're going to segment these a little bit. What are the weights that will weigh us down? Doubts. Doubt? Doubt can become sin. No. At my age, I can see the end. 
and I'm tired. But that doesn't give me an excuse to stop. Okay. So we have to just realize, you know, that it's there. We can do this with God's help. Uh, don't give up. And that is, for me, one of the things now, because it would just be so easy to stay at home instead of getting in my car, get, I mean, getting dressed, getting in my car, get here, have to park a block and a half from the building and, and, <laughs> and walk that far, and I don't walk much. Uh, but I can't, I can't let things like that bother me. Very, very well said. Do you know, have you ever heard of the writer C.S. Lewis? He wrote Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting writer. C.S. Lewis wrote a book one time. I'm just going to read a quote and give you a little context. It's called The Screwtape Letters. And it's about, it's about the head, a head a demon who's teaching his nephew demon how to get Christians, how to turn them. What do you do to Christians in order to get them off track? Okay? So it's kind of an odd book. He writes it from the perspective when he talks about the enemy, he's talking about God because he's on the side of the devil, right? So that's what he's supposed to do. So, so just listen to what C.S. Lewis wrote here about how would one devil teach another how to get a Christian. Okay? Use a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him do anything. You can make him just do nothing at all for long periods of time. Keep him up late at night. Not partying. Just staring at a dead fire and a cold breath. Hey, what, what's C.S. Lewis pointing here when he talks about that? Having priorities. Yeah. Now, he's using a book and a newspaper. What, what's that in our world? Smartphones. They're distractions. Our phones. TV shows. Doom scrolling the news, right? TV, what, what, what's worse than TV out of that actually in front of us right now? Binging, <clears throat> streaming. Netflix. TikTok. YouTube, TikTok. I don't watch any of that, so I don't know. <laughs> Good for Nelma, but don't even start. Don't, don't start. Is there anything wrong if you watch a good movie on Netflix? No. No. What's wrong? When can that become a weight? If you like you stay home instead of so like, come here. Could be. What if you just do it five or six hours a night? Nah, I'm going, I'll catch up on my reading tomorrow. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> think about this this runner here. You think she'd run the race with the with the fifty pound back backpack on? No, she wouldn't she wouldn't be doing that there. Be making that happen. She that that, that would not be the, the goal of doing that. When the writer says, lay aside the ways, he's not talking about the sins. He talks about that next. He's saying, he's saying what's waiting you now? What's keeping you back? If we need to understand how these witnesses are cheering to us, we need to be in the Word and studying and understanding and talking to one another and receiving encouragement. And if we're not, if we're in the media, we're in all those other things, we're in other distractions, we're in our social clubs or whatever, you name it. He's not talking about things that are wrong. He thinks about talking about okay things that go wrong in our lives. They take up too much time and presence. That's a tough one for me, boy. I, I tend in that direction. I got all these things I'm interested in. Some of which are things of the Bible. Now, lay aside the sandwich so easily the senses. Is it possible to try to run this race and hold on to a sin or two that we, we kind of have a hard time giving up? 
This for me. And this is a weight. This is a big weight. In fact, how big is this weight of sin if we don't weigh it down? It why did Jesus come? Why, is, why are we following this example of faith? Because He actually lets us unweight the sin, right? He, take it off. We, we get rid of that guilt of that sin. But we actually, in order to get rid of the guilt, we've got to get rid of the sin too. We have to change. We have to repent and, and go with that. And it's only at that point that we can, verse 2, run with endurance. When we put all these things aside, now we're set up to actually be able to endure because now all of our strength can be pointed at overcoming the trials that we face and not divided into things that either are sinful or just are in fact to become wastes of our time. And then finally, he says what? Verse 2, the last thing on this chart here. We started with the witnesses. Where are we going to end up? Look at Jesus. Now let us ask you this question. <clears throat> all these wonderful characters of faith, all the lessons we rightly learn from them, who's better? Jesus is better. Our whole theme of our class. And it wonderfully ends up with, this will help you to hear the witnesses. So obviously you've got to go do this. But how are we actually going to get this endurance? We're going to have to look to Jesus. But he lays it down step by step so we have no excuse. He actually does, and that's I think that's where I messed up my thing there. Okay. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now I'm going to just do a quick little aside here. Don's not in the class, but if he were here, he would tell you that hour is not in the, the original language. And so... It can be implied it's actually not. It done a lot of reading this. So really, I should have actually blacked it out. I didn't hear. Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. What did Jesus' life show us? We talked in chapter 2 that he was the captain of our salvation. But what was the other word we used for that? Remember the use of the word Mitch used? Pioneer. The pioneer. What did Jesus show? He was born. He lived a, type, a, a life of complete faithfulness to God. He suffered and died. He, what did Jesus have to endure? We'll talk about that in a minute. But we don't have to endure. A lot of things that we might have to endure, Jesus endured. He endured the cross. We're not going to have to endure that. We're not going to endure that separation from God. Where's Jesus now? Right hand of God. Where, where would faith take us? if we endure this race. Jesus pioneered the entire path, and we can walk it right behind him with his help in doing that. Why do we look to Jesus? He's the one who showed it actually will happen. So we have to walk behind him. And so there's a whole bunch of things here, and it won't take time for us to break them all down and ask through here. Think about the things that are said in verses 2 through 4. How did Jesus do this? Well, here's some clues for us. He saw what? The joy before him. He saw the end of the race. When he was in the race, he saw that. He endured. The very thing that he's asking the Hebrews, learn how to endure. Was it easy? Was Jesus shamed for his position as the Christ? 
are we shamed as Christians sometimes? Is, mm -hmm. is the world trying to shame us for holding on to values that they think are old-fashioned or not mm -hmm. applicable? Is the shame fun? How did Jesus feel about the shame? Despise the shame. What do sometimes we as Christians let the shame do to us? Of being a Christian. Stop. Quit. I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel this anymore. Yeah. Don't have to like it, but I guess he still endured. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We talked about that. And then because he actually says to the Hebrews, you haven't had to do these things yet, the implication is Jesus did. Jesus endured hostility from sinners. His entire life. I mean, it wasn't just the cross, right? Mm -hmm. how, many, how many Pharisees did he have good conversations with in his life? <laughs> Nicodemus? How tired did Jesus get? He got tired enough to enter the Bible. When he, when he stood on that mountain and he looked at Jerusalem, what did he say? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you together as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. He was tired. He was sad that they hadn't listened to him. He still overcame that weariness. He overcame discouragement of, of, of those things. How discouraged was he with his disciples? How many times did he have to tell them the same thing over and over again? And he said to the Hebrews, you have not yet striven to the point of death. What did Jesus do? And was it his death that was so bad? I mean, I wouldn't want to have that death, but what was, what was in his death? All the things that happened as he was dying and the world went dark. What, what were those? What's the Bible points? What was in his death, really? The sins of the world. Separation, right? Separation from God. Mm -hmm. Father, Father, where are you? Go ahead. I found it interesting that you have the same book. That word despise there is where we would get our phrase today, no big deal. To Jesus, shame, when we get shame, we, we're at quit. Uh, with Him, uh, it was not a deal breaker. It was no big deal to Him to be shamed to accomplish His mission. Those I've talked to who are marathon runners will tell me, even the good ones, in, in the middle of every race, they start having muscles aching and wanting to cramp up and wanting to stop. And they push through it because they know if they do, they'll be able to finish the race. They think about those as no big deal. Nobody likes that pain when they're running that race, but they know it's just temporary. They still finish it. I think that's the sense of which, yeah. When you sign up with Jesus, in a world that's as wicked as ours is, and as it always has been, our world is no more wicked than anybody else's world was. When we sign up, we're going to get shamed. If we're not getting shamed, we might not be standing out. I mean, we like it, but we just got to say, we expect it. So, it's really no big deal. I get through this. This is all you got to throw at me? Huh. That's easy, right? That's easy in, in, in looking at that. Now, why does the author point out they had not yet struggled with bloodshed? Because they hadn't. They hadn't yet. Yeah. Does that mean they weren't going to? Hey, that's not bad. They hadn't died yet for your faith. Were some of them going to? They probably knew people that already had. Probably, yeah. Excellent point. So, Stephen? You knew about Stephen. Mm -hmm. About James? You about James? Mm -hmm. you about all the first century martyrs we can read about in, in history for doing that. 
why had they not perhaps struggled yet to the point of bloodshed? Because they weren't putting themselves in situations that would, you know, potentially cause that. If they wanted to, I mean, there's a reason. Let's like use Paul as an example. He didn't go to the Galatians until the Holy Spirit told him to, because of you know he potentially could have gotten killed just yeah. immediately. It, um, it could it could have been not time for that. Yeah. It could be because they're starting to hide some mm -hmm. as things get worse. It, it, looking at that, that they that, that they're they're, look, they're looking at that. Um, the scriptures tell us that we will not. First Corinthians 10, beginning verse 12. Let's just read it. Therefore, him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Okay, that's us. We're here at church today. We're doing pretty good, right? Let's just start off. Let's, just, let's put us. Let's put us in these next verses here. No temptation has overtaken you except as such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now let's talk about that temptation in the face of death for being a Christian that these people face. What's the temptation when you're faced with that? Society beginning to turn on you to the point even that this society started killing Christians. What's the temptation, right? Give up. To give up. That's the first temptation. Compromise, for sure. Yeah. To compromise, to hide, not physically. I mean, we know the Jews scattered from Jerusalem at the Romans. That was okay to, to just go somewhere else. But they, they went somewhere preaching the word in, in, that, in that case. God used that in order to, to make that happen. It could be the Hebrews weren't ready yet to face death because their faith was wavering. Mm -hmm. The test they were getting right then may have been building them up to the point at which they could face death. God will always provide a way of escape. Does that mean when, when the martyr's standing there about to go to the lion that, okay, there's, there's a door over here in the Colosseum I can slip out and God gives that way. What, what is sometimes the way of escape? Death. For them, it was death. But going to death, how? How does that escape have to happen if it's even that bad? How does that escape have to happen? Run with endurance, the race is set, all the way to the end. Just like you were talking about now, like getting tired. You may not be faced with physical death, but just with long life and tired and ready to go and the things that you saw. And it's like, the way of escape is sometimes, you know what, we're going to walk through that door of death. Let's be ready. Let's be ready whenever God asks us to, whether it's at the mouth of a lion or whether it's in our, in our own beds. That's the difficult thing here, that we have to be built up in order to endure what to the end, and therefore we are, and we're going to talk about that in the next section. Real quick, Scott and Denoma. I think that in my own life and, and in congregation I've been a part of, our, like our, myself, like the biggest thing that I see is like Peter, like what he would do, he just... He was hypocritical um, in when he dealt with the Galatians and, and compromising that way versus something as extreme as, you know, running away from somebody trying to kill me or something. Yeah. We hope we don't face that. I'm not sure about that in the lifetime of our children, but, you know, that's that's another statement. That, like Margie? I'm Margie. No, I'm sorry, Margie. I was... <laughs> that's okay. I, I, have that. a, I have a saying that um, it says uh, God doesn't give us what we can handle. God helps us handle what we are given. And that is exactly what Hebrews 12, chapter, verses 5-11 through is about. What does Hebrews 12, 5-11 talk about? Pick one word from your study. What's it talk about? 
chastening. Hebrews 12, 5-11. The chastening from God. Why is it so hard for us to endure in this life? We don't like to be chastened, do we? Okay. The Hebrew writer begins by pointing out to them you should have known that you would have faced hardship as a Christian because you should have known what? The Scriptures. You should have known the Scriptures. You have forgotten, he says in verse 5, the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Anybody look up where that came from? Do not despise Proverbs the third chapter. Yeah. Verses 11 and 12. You should know that if you're God's children, you're going to receive chastening. Now, this word chastening, we think about that. I don't like to be, I don't like someone to tell me I'm doing wrong. I don't like somebody to, to you know, I didn't like it when my dad spanked with me. Yeah, it was, it was belt and switch sometimes. Uh, and doing that. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like I didn't like all those things. I was being punished. Is this word about punishment for wrongdoing, chastening? It actually is not. This chastening is about building discipline, building character, building moral values. That's really what the Greek word that was used here is actually pointing to. So when the Lord chastens us, what is He doing? Strengthening us. He's strengthening us. He's given us tests to overcome. Tests that we can overcome if we show endurance. And that is allowing us to build strength. If we're going to finish a race, we're going to finish a long marathon race, what do we have to do? We have to train. We have to build up. We have to get ourselves there. And God does exactly that for us. So why did we get difficult tests to go through? God deems we need them in order to grow and to strengthen. Now, why does the Lord train us? So that we'll be worthy of heaven. He wants us to be there, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. He knows that He can forgive our sins. He can take us there. But He also knows we have to make it to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And that's how ultimately, that's what all these people taught us and what Jesus paved the way for. That if we're mm -hmm. faithful unto death, that we actually can receive that. So He's training us there for, for doing that. What, what does the Hebrew writer call those who don't like their chastening? Who don't receive, I should say, their chastening? They're not true children. Illegitimate children. Illegitimate children. There's an even worse word that I won't say here. Not a curse word, but that's what... The, was, you all know that a father disciplines the children he loves. The children that go undisciplined are not the ones that he loves. Have you ever thought when I face a hardship, not one of my own making because of my own sin, but even in that case, when my own sin means I've got to learn something to grow out of it. Have you thought when, I, when you face that? God's showing His love for you? It's a whole different way to think of it. A whole different way to think of it here. Well, we're going we're gonna to finish this up uh, next Sunday. We've got singing on Wednesday night. So we kind of had, I knew I had two longer sessions here. Um, so we didn't, we didn't get quite as far. I, I wanted to get a little bit farther. But we're going to make it out of this session. We're going to talk about why we endure because we are going to Melma's favorite spot. We're going to Zion.
verse 18 uh, of this chapter, finishing up the chapter here. So, appreciate all your participation today, and uh, we're willing to see you.